Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and this is a level eight. <laughs> Today we are talking about Minute 12, which begins with Fury firing furiously and ends with an old Russian warehouse. Joining us on the show today, we have Philip Matas, author of the Psychic Barber Mystery Series. Hello, Philip. Hello. Hello, my many agents. <laughs> so many agents in this so movie. Many agents. But most of, them are, most of them are buried under the rubble. <laughs> we, got, we, have, we have the, the named agents that, we've, that we get to see today. Yes, right. All the, all the important ones. All the important. <laughs> That's terrible to say. Terrible to say. <laughs> Uh, before we dig in, uh, Philip, you're new to uh, to our show here. I know you've been on a number of other podcasts, but um, you know, just let's get a sense of who you are, your relationship with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and of the Avengers, and this particular set of minutes that you picked. Sure. Uh, okay. Um, I I would probably start off by saying that growing up, I was way more knowledgeable of DC characters, particularly. Batman and Superman, although obviously I knew Spider-Man existed, but I was huge into Spider-Man, but I was never like a Marvel guy. Um, when the MCU started with Iron Man way back when, I was probably like everybody else where I was surprised how much I really enjoyed that. And even down to just like the brilliant obviousness of casting, uh, Robert Downey Jr. at the height of his like smarmy, charmy wonder, right? <laughs> and right. so when I, and it's funny, even thinking about that, I remember my wife and I saw it, loved it, walked out, and then like a week later, somebody told us it was like, "Did you see the thing at the end?" I'm like, "What thing at the end?" <laughs> like we didn't at that point, the world was so naive that we didn't notice. We had to stick around for ten minutes to see the sting, and then and then friends of mine who are more versed in uh the avengers um explained a little more <laughs> about that and so my fan level is with with this is i would say fairly casual except i think i've seen all but one of the mcu movies um that one being incredible hulk just never made the jump oh didn't hear wonderful things and then honestly they recast the guy and we're kind of like i feel like we didn't miss much like they caught us up really quick. Um, but, uh, I could be wrong, but, uh, yeah, my, uh, we, I've, I've tended to enjoy them and I have a, I have a young son. He's 13 now and he's, I guess, the absolute right demographic, uh, to watch these movies endlessly. And so I've seen this particular movie, Marvel's The Adventures in pieces what feels like 16 times just like mm -hmm. every now and then coming home from something and be like what's on oh the adventures okay right <laughs> there it is again uh, yeah yeah but that, that's kind of where i'm coming from okay now now as far as these minutes you you picked a this specific set of minutes starting here and taking us into calcutta is there any particular um reason that you wanted this uh focus of the film there, there is, and one is sheer dumb luck. So when I was given the privilege to pick my minutes, the, honestly, the first thing I thought was I wanted to see, uh, Black Widow's introduction. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought I picked the minute that started with her, but I didn't realize that minute one is tech, technically starts minutes zero. 
So mm, yeah. I'm back. Right. At, I'm off by just a little bit, <laughs> but I gain the I gain the advantage of being here for like the title card and right and possibly the first time hearing that theme song. Is this the first time we hear the? Or is that is that played in bits and pieces earlier? It has played earlier when Fury okay. arrives at the uh, at the facility. Um, it's it's not quite as um, uh, complete as it is here. It's it's a little more broken into kind of the theme of the arrival and everything, but it is there. Okay, all right. This is okay. Well, fair enough. I'll still, I'll take what I can get. But the reason I sure. the reason I picked this. Uh, was primarily because I wanted those sweet, sweet Black Widow moments. But I, like we said, we get the bonus of I get to see lines from the named agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and their leader. So <laughs> yes, I, I was right. happy for it. And any little bit of Sam Jack, this this whole franchise has proved that any bit of Sam Jackson is a win. Like anytime he's shown up, it was like, oh yeah, I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> No kidding. No kidding. As though I forgot. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Hard to forget. Hard to forget. Well, let's, um, I, I can't wait to talk to you about Natasha and Black Widow and kind of the whole thing in the Russian warehouse. But we'll save that uh, for tomorrow because that's really when we jump into that minute. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. yeah. Pay so attention to your time, time, folks. That's the yeah, lesson. Learn <laughs> how time works. It is, it is a trick. Yeah, that first minute uh, starts at zero seconds and goes until the clock hits one minute. So, yes. Yeah. But, uh, but no worries. Um, so, we are here talking about this moment. This is post-helicopter crash. We see uh, Nick Fury kind of rise from the ground with his gun. And here's where he starts unloading on the Hummer as uh, Barton drives away with uh, Selvig and Loki in tow. And we see them kind of uh, taking off, getting onto the desert road and, and driving away. So let's let's start with that as far as, you know, this is uh, your chance to talk about Loki and kind of this whole, uh, this whole bit of the action. How does all of this play for you? I think it plays pretty well. Uh, one thing that I think I had to get over, and again, maybe this is my own bias growing up, but I think one, I think something that this movie proved, how do I say this? People didn't understand that the reason we liked Loki had more to do with the actor than with the character. And when this movie came out, I remember people being gaga over Loki and they were comparing <laughs> him of like, you know, it's the greatest villain ever. It was like the Joker and Lex Luthor and Loki. And I'm like, no, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. But that actor, super charming. And it, I think that took me a little while because I, I did see Thor before this. So I knew who Loki was, but just kind of managing that character a little bit. It, it, he didn't necessarily grab me as the most intimidating thing ever. He has some good scenes, but I, yeah, I, I've always, <laughs> I've always been a real wet blanket, uh, much to my wife's chagrin about, uh, she is a Loki fan, but, uh, I, yeah, I've, I was weird about that, and I also think this uh, this minute is unintentionally funny. Uh, there's a theme that runs through this movie of people shooting the smallest guns at like super beings. They're like, <laughs> "Go go ahead and try it, but it's right. not going to work." <laughs> that's the, the, you know that's a that's a, a funny point. I mean, obviously, it's not like Fury was jumping out of the helicopter with big weapons or anything like that, but uh, you know. 
I suppose he could be aiming at a tire or something, I but guess. it's 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 funny <laughs> as the vehicle is driving away. One, it's dark. We're at night, and and he's I guess just aiming at the the few lights that are yeah are flashing on the back of the vehicle. But otherwise, he's got the flaming helicopter behind him, so I, I don't know how well he's seeing it. And as the truck is driving away, it looks like there's a small slope and like a tree between them. So I'm wondering if he's if he can even see the truck or if it's like he's blocked just by shooting his... into the dunes. Yeah, <laughs> right. just just a real hillside shot. And I mean, yeah. the world the world is at stake. So you don't want to come out of this with anything literally and figuratively, you know, still in the holster. Right. You don't want to be like, well, I could have maybe hit something. But in the moment, just knowing, you know, we're 12 minutes into this movie, we're like. What an empty gesture. <laughs> just uh, like, oh, here's some gunfire, I guess. I don't know. It, it always it always, it always makes me laugh a little bit to be like, yeah, shoot your gun. Oh, no, you didn't hit him. No, it just communicates that he's a man of action, right? He's I'm a man, a man of, of action. action. A man of action with a gun shoots a gun. Yeah, I guess so. That's, yeah. the, that's the axiom. I guess. That's I the, guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, it, you know, it, it, it's weirdly like, I, I know, again, it's night. We're trying to get a sense of the space that we're in. We see, though, when Fury is firing, we see the helicopter behind him and it's in flames. And then when we cut to the shot of Loki from where, like, on the hood of the car, looking back at him as he's illuminated by the those top headlights on the back of the, the truck bed, we see, like, it, it, I mean, it's it's like a bunch of, like, building lights behind him. And I just, I never have any sense as to what is actually behind him. I know he came out of the tunnel. I'm assuming that that row of lights off to the left of the shot, this is about, like, five seconds into this minute, that might be, like, that tunnel exit, like, where they came out of the tunnel. But I have no idea what those other two lights are, because, I mean, the only helicopter I know of is the one that just crashed. And I don't see its flames anywhere. It's highway traffic. Right next to the... Right, they're they're next to the twenty five. On the left of that frame looks like landing lines, right? Like lights to illustrate like a landing strip sure. of some sort, right? They're yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, it, in, in moments, I I'll, uh, well, I break it down and then I praise it. The <laughs> shot itself looks fine, you know, like yeah. I mean, what yeah. we're after here is like cool looking shots. So I was like, yeah, and it even like only until you watch something a minute at a time. Do you think about it? But I mean, we, I watched this literally in isolation. You know, I, I've seen the movie, obviously, so I know what's going on. But it is kind of funny. It's like, he doesn't know how cars work. He doesn't get in the car. Right. No. <laughs> right. Right. I'm just staying on top of here. I look, I look better like this. And frankly, he does. He looks better on like that. Yeah, it's, it's weirdly like a telegraphed moment to when he's later on like the little Chitauri sled uh, later in the film, you know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like he's just riding on and holding on. It's like, this is the place for a god, of course. His lifestyle is one of chariots. And therefore, yes. Yes. He, he recognizes this as like, oh, your chariots are different, but I stand here. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, this it gives him the position to you know use his scepter and blast at people. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. No, I, I of don't. Course. Want to, I'm not questioning him. I just it just yeah, cracked yeah. me up. How like, <laughs> one does not question Loki. <laughs> no, 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 no. You want to sit? You want to sit? In the, no, you want to be back there. That's you fine. Can sit wherever you want, man. Wherever you want. Not really safe, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we go from that to as they drive away. Now we're left with Fury uh, standing there. Uh, you know, this is kind of. The end of the uh, kind of the des- the destruction of Project Pegasus. The whole thing's been destroyed, and Loki is driving off with the Tesseract. Uh, although I did, <laughs> I did have another question about all this. Fury, you know, when we saw him leave in the helicopter, he really has no idea how 
Loki is escaping this place. He never has a conversation with um, Agent Hill, who is the one who is in the tunnel and saw him or saw Loki and Barton and uh, Selvig all get into the Hummer and take off. Um, but and I, I didn't think about this in uh, yesterday's minute when we were having a conversation until today is like, how does he actually know that this is them? Like, did we need to have a conversation uh, on screen? To <laughs> all the more reason to just fire at the dudes. <laughs> just yes. just right. anything that comes out of there. It's just, I just feel like, Andy, we need to go back a minute and just remind you, man of action. Yes, man of action, corollary, does not discriminate between moving vehicles in the dark. There's a we car didn't... leaving the tunnel. It must be bad. I'm going to destroy it. Must it must be bad. It's moving quickly that in the guy, desert. It must be shot. That guy standing in the back of that truck. That's at least <laughs> yeah. against regulations. <laughs> right. There's a, I mean, you could make a case that he sees the glowing stone sure. in the sun. Yes. Maybe he yes. sees it from a great distance with his one powerful eye. There's some old, like, movie-making axiom or, you know, saying, which is that once a character, one character learns something, kind of all characters learn that. And it almost seems like that, too, where it's like, well, he does that because, you know, he knows it because we know it. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. It does. It is kind of funny to be like. With your one eye, you happen to pick that one car <laughs> while you were in a, in a flaming helicopter explosion. You're like, no, I nailed him. I know exactly where he is. Yeah, no, can't be any one of my other people. Well, it it could also be like uh, one of those like uh, like follow that car moments, right? That like aren't there? There are other cars back there. Right. Maybe he sees like, oh, look, all the cars. I'm going to shoot at the front one. It's the only car that makes it out of the tunnel. Is it the only car there? I need to go back a minute. There are there are the two cars. There's there's the Hummer. And then, you know, they're being immediately pursued by Maria Hill, who does her little Jeep maneuver and ends up behind it. And she ends up getting buried in the rubble and they just make it out. And so it's very just that one car that that makes it oh, out of right. the tunnel. Yeah. And so his helicopter finds the one vehicle. And yeah, I guess to your point, sure, there's a guy with a scepter in the back that's glowing. So I guess that makes so sense for him. even more so. He, it's the only car that's racing out of the rubble. Like, it's yes. the one that was in front. Like, of course it needs to be shot at. Because if it were any other <laughs> if it were any other Jeep, it would be a Jeep that belongs to S.H.I.E.L.D. And it would stop. Yeah, right. So shoot at the one in motion. Axiom number three. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm imagining all the times fury has gone through these things and you know this exact scenario and this is like you know another jeep escaped and he didn't shoot wildly at it he was like <laughs> promise myself i'd never let that happen again <laughs> so anytime i have a tunnel collapse and a, and a single jeep gets out you better believe i'm unloading <laughs> shoot at it. now we need those flashbacks of him those, <laughs> <laughs> what's the origin story of nick fury firing into the night <laughs> moments, moments like these are when entire worldviews are built sure. in these characters. That's it. <laughs> That's right. We're witnessing yeah. it right oh, now. Man. So funny. <laughs> so I, I was curious, though, you know, speaking of shots, I was like, how good is Nick Fury in the realm of, quote, good shots? I mean, as you know, Clint Barton is like the greatest shot in the world and all that sort of stuff. And so I was I was curious. And I went and I looked in not the um, the uh, wiki for the Marvel Cinematic Universe universe but for the comics and actually he is listed as an exceptional marksman of every type of firearm and and so that did make me wonder um and i guess it's it's neither here nor there but the fact that he is shooting at it in the dark 
maybe it was just a little too hard for somebody who is an exceptional <laughs> marksman. Even that good. Even that good. That reminds me of way back when, before internet times, uh, I was given, uh, DC Comics put out these uh, encyclopedias, and I was given the Batman one. And it was just, it was just a book full of, it was like Wikipedia, but on paper. And, and I remember laughing <laughs> because every human character, and you know, in Batman world, there's a lot of them. So they described Batman, and it was like, you know, he's, you know, this kind of strong, and he's an Olympic level athlete, and blah, 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 blah. And then, okay, Robin. Uh, he's about this tall. He's this strong, an Olympic level athlete. I was saying, okay, Catwoman, <laughs> Olympic level athlete. And so you remind me of that with, uh, <laughs> with Nick Fury. He's like, he's an excellent marksman. And I was like, right. I bet, I bet Black Widow is also an excellent, like all weapons marksman. And yeah, Captain America is no slouch. And, and we know, <laughs> it was like, is anybody here not an expert marksman? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yes. Good point. Yes. Yeah, they all are really fit the bill, don't no, they? <laughs> they're fantastic. They're, that evens the playing field. Yes, yes. Well, okay, so now we're at this position where as the as Loki and his, his uh, mind-controlled team drive away, we have Fury, uh, well, actually, we have Agent Coulson radioing, radioing in to reach him. And just set of where all these people are. So as we saw in that intro to this location, there is this, it's like a cliff, and on the top of the cliff is just kind of a big uh, plateau, and that's where this base was. And that's where Coulson is. He uh, he took off with a, a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents out of the top, and they kind of were racing the collapse of the whole facility. So they're up on the top, kind of looking into the big, uh, you know, hole that has just been created here. And then down on the ground, we had, we had uh, Fury take off in the helicopter from the top, fly down to below because the tunnel exits at that base of this cliff onto a lower level. And that's where Fury is. And then Maria Hill, of course, is trapped in the rubble inside the tunnel. So just a set of kind of a lay of the land as to where they are. So Coulson is radioing Fury to figure out, you know, if he's okay and everything. And uh, Fury has this line, I have men down. So there we have our recognition that there was, in fact, a helicopter pilot, even though they never had a conversation. I have a nameless man down. <laughs> he is now down. Yes. That, so much for that guy. Uh, although he says I have men down, it made me wonder how many people were in the helicopter with him. Yeah. Sad to say. And then Maria Hill. You know, her line, a lot of men still under, don't know how many survivors, speaking to all the other people who who got trapped under here. I can't help but feel like like Colson might be a better person to ask because his job was to very specifically kind of get all the people out of here. He was in charge of evacuating all the people and, and this whole uh, facility. Maria Hill, her job was to deal with the phase two stuff. And so... I I don't know. I guess it's interesting as far as like the conversation they have here. You know, he's asking Hill about, well, he seems to be asking Hill about the people. Um, I don't know if he's concerned about if phase two made it out or not. But it does give us a sense that at least there was a lot of damage that had happened here. There are people trapped and, you know, it's horrible. And obviously they're, they want to get all the survivors out, but also keep looking for the briefcase. So the setup of the story is in action. We now have all the puzzle pieces in place and uh, we're moving into uh, level seven. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, it is a level seven, apparently, which is, I would gather by events, very serious. 
Did either of you have, I, I, you know, I don't think there really had been any description of what all these things were when they came up, but did you have a, a read of level seven, not a sense of like, did you know what level seven meant when he said it, but did you have a sense as to what, what, what that meant in the scope of the story? Uh, I think it's very funny to me. It's very funny to me that he says this is a level seven because I'm not accustomed to like there's DEFCON four, five, one, three. I'm used to fives, I guess is what I'm saying. As soon as he puts a seven, it makes me think that S.H.I.E.L.D. has defined a, the, the gradients very precisely. Like seven <laughs> is what an interdimensional space villain has come through a portal in our NASA <laughs> substation and has taken a shiny thing. We're not going to probably need it. But if we do, yeah, we're <laughs> going to we need do. to make sure seven is reserved for international interspatial demons. You know what it kind of reminds me of was during the height of the pandemic when they would say, like, we're at a purple level. And I'm like, a purple <laughs> level? We had what, purple? What, what color is that? What purple? What color? Right. Yeah. How did we get there? I, so in the moment, in the moment, I, yeah, I didn't think about how uh, they could have picked different numbers or whatever but at the at the very least i got the feeling that like those two agents and possibly fury too have only experienced like level four and to jump i felt like they jumped like we didn't even do five six <laughs> right it's, it's like the it's like the tongue on the uh the frozen light pole stand in a christmas story is like what yeah. they he broke protocol and went straight to triple dog dare you know it's like that it's <laughs> that throat. sort of thing but what what I found interesting, because I, I had the exact same thing, Pete, when I watched this, I'm like, level seven, okay, it's like a DEF CON sort of thing. Like, this, yeah. in the scope of levels of global security, level seven is pretty bad. As I was looking at this, I was trying to figure out what is level seven. It turns out all of this is actually a clearance level. And I was like, clearance level? This clearance is just level? as far as who they're allowed to talk to about this? <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> That's all he means. Wait, so it, that's so does what it get, Fury got jumps to is does it keep get, it a secret. <laughs> yes. I guess I guess that kind of tracks, but I did not get that. It, I thought that was like this is that severe, so we have to start every search for help we possibly can. Not it's that severe, so don't we should be stop talking. Right. Yeah. So zip it. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> Throw away your phones. So, yeah, right. Well, I guess, okay, so I was looking at, there are 10 levels of, or there were 10 levels of clearance, I, I guess, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Correct this me. isn't 10? This is, this is, I'm sorry, is is this comic book? No, this is in the MCU. And I guess, I think a lot of this came from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, but at some point, Coulson gets rid of the number levels of clearance and they go color because there is a conversation between uh, Melinda and Gemma where one of them says, why do I level red have to go through you level orange to request hardware? Shouldn't red be higher than orange? So they're having a whole conversation about color levels. <laughs> but in but, but before that, it was numbers. So there are 10 levels of clearance, plus there was alpha, omega, and tango levels of clearance. Now, the hidden the hidden levels at the very, very top were alpha and omega. Uh, Nick Fury and Alexander Pierce, who we meet in Winter Soldier, were alpha and omega is also Nick Fury. I don't know why Nick Fury is like on all of he these. He gets all the levels. Yeah. Level you 10. You know, I'm going to say like that dialogue, like you, I, t I get it now. Uh, you're the director now, not some level one field agent. There are no levels anymore. I got rid of those. Yeah. That is peak Tancherian Whedon dialogue. Like that is, that is absolutely peak Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And yeah. makes total sense to me. This 
that he would do that in that show. I don't remember that specific moment. I gotta say, in my day job, I work with uh, system processing improvement. And in my personal life, I'm partly colorblind. So I prefer numbers because we can all agree <laughs> yes. that like if I say 10 and you say, well, I'm 11, that's more. Not yes. like, like you said, oh, red, but then it goes to orange and then purple for some reason. You're like, right. wait, yeah. doesn't one I don't feed into the other? Like I haven't quite internalized hues yet yes. in our security <laughs> systems. <laughs> Uh, and so I'm I, more of a burnt orange, right? <laughs> more of a burnt orange. <laughs> but, but the fact that when you come back and say level seven, I can't like is a clearance level. What the hell is a level eight and a nine? Like, what can't you talk about there? Yeah, there's like, a there's another step up. There's like more, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. Now this is what's confusing to me. So now we're at level seven. I'm assuming we went up to level seven. That's the only thing that makes sense yeah. to me. Sure. But okay. So just to get a, give a sense as to who is at level seven or above. Uh, as I said, Nick Fury, he's level 10. Oh, the expert marks. Yeah. He's level 10. <laughs> level nine is Maria Hill. Level eight is Phil Coulson. Level seven, Clint Barton. And then we got some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people here. Melinda May, Felix Blake, James Davis, John Garrett, Jasper Sitwell, and Grant Ward. That's it for level seven. So I guess those people and above can talk about this now. But all the people level six, Natasha Romanoff, Steve Rogers, uh, a bunch of other Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people, they can't talk about it. I'm like, how does that make any sense? Like, They're not in S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's just say... They're not Things don't work out well for giving Grant Ward and Jasper Sitwell level seven. Let's just say off the <laughs> <Right>. dome, those <laughs> guys should be demoted immediately. I also I also have a soft pitch here for the the level administrator at Shield, which is it should go the other way, where the lower the number, the number that means the number of people you could talk to about it. So if you're a level one, only one person can know. If you're level two, it's me and you. Level three, you can bring a buddy and so on. So if you're at a level 100, it was like, well, that's your department plus. Yeah, right, right, right. When I reorganize S.H.I.E.L.D., that's that's what I'm going to do first. Are you kidding? I'm reorganizing my house that way tonight. (laughs) You're you're at a level three. I'm going to tell my son that, too, the next time. He asked us why we have to do that. It was like, it's level two clearance, and you're not within level two. <laughs> and you're not within right, level right. two. You're not level two. <laughs> I say we all work on on uh, building that into our uh, home lives and then report back mm-hmm. in a week. Let, yeah. <laughs> let's hold on. It's going. I'm sure it's going to go great. <laughs> That's going to be really effective. This thing, this thing we just thought of while watching this movie, it's going to be yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Well, anyway, okay, so that's level seven. So strange, just so strange, uh, because then it's like, as of right now, we are at war. So it's like, okay, we're going to war, level seven, but you can only talk to so many people about it. (laughs) 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 You know, this is is a classic example of why some details matter and others don't. Because in in the context of the movie, when he says level seven, I assumed, uh, like what Pete said, it was like like DEFCON 5. Like, this yeah. is this is huge and very important, given the context ahead of it. I, <laughs> if there was a line that said, we're at left, level 7, so you can tell your mom, but not your dad. You know, like, <laughs> that, that stuff, <laughs> you, you, it doesn't, it's not necessary for the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. They, right. they, they had enough with their reactions of like, damn level seven oh my god yeah their faces oh it's yeah very serious reactions from both colson and hill they both 
they both have. I like I like the shot of Hill because she's got a little bloody nose after her Jeep's been buried in rubble in a tunnel collapse. Anyway, I mean, we have to say we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Just the precision of the rock of the tunnel collapse is extraordinary. The fact that it crushed the passenger seat, but not the driver was an amazing bit of uh, amazing feat. And I'm proud of her for getting out of it. Rest in peace, passenger and uh, helicopter pilot and (laughs) other interns of S.H.I.E.L.D. Interns of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's the show I would watch. Uh, now, I have another question, because I, I just want to get a sense of your read on the line that we just talked about. As of right now, we are at war. Does that make sense? So we had, a you know, a, a, an alien, I guess, we'll just call Loki as far as uh, what uh, Fury knows, but a, a, a being from another planet showed up and stole a Tesseract and ran off with it. And I mean, he did possess a few people. But is that is that war scope? Or is that just like, hey, somebody just stole government property, we have to get it back level of scope? Like, does it seem like that's an extreme level to take all of this? I think it's possible that you are understating the interdimensional space villain came and stole a shiny thing (laughs) as an act of war. He also said the hero line, you say peace, but I kind of think you mean the other thing. Like, I feel like he tried to establish in the last minute that this guy is an interdimensional space warlord and we're in trouble. All right. I bought that. And, And he's either helped or it's retconned through the actions of the movie you'll get to in 27 years in Captain Marvel, <laughs> where Fury himself encounters aggressive alien forces, and he's like, what, what happens if I ever have to face that again? So maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah given that and what Pete said, it was like, he, he, you know, tried a little, but then it was like, it didn't work, so we got to do something else. So I, I get it. All right. Would the line have been better? And I think this is a this may be an open question. I'm presuming an open the answer to an open question. Would the line have been better if he'd said, as of this moment, we're at war. Infinity war. (laughs) (laughs) I thought uh, maybe. Well, what about this one Uh, to, to satiate Andy's thing? As of this minute. We might be at war. <laughs> there I'm going to have to see. <laughs> the jury's I'll be, out. I'll, jury's <laughs> out. We think <laughs> it's going to be at war in a minute. <laughs> we think it's, as of this moment, pending approval, we're at war. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think, though, I do think the question is, like, is this the start of the Infinity Saga? Like, is this the war that they're ending in 2700 movies? <laughs> oh, that's, there's an interesting perspective, right? It kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah, shouldn't this be, I mean, I feel like, shouldn't we, like, ring a bell or something? Like, it's the war has started, everybody. The war has started. This is, this is uh, Paul Revere's ride, right? No, you're right. You, you are right. Because, I mean, Thanos is behind all this stuff, too. So yeah. that counts. Yeah, and that's actually a, a good perspective. Because oftentimes in a war, you don't realize, you know, when the war is actually over until many years later. And you go, oh, I guess that was actually the end of the war when this thing was signed or when this thing happened. Yeah. But oftentimes it's just like, well, this battle is over. That's the end of the war, you know, without yeah. realizing, oh, there are still some more battles to come. So yeah, yeah, the war is still going on. And this is the start of the war. Like the war has started here because this guy stole this one shiny thing. And he's also an interdimensional space villain. Yeah. 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 
Now, I also, I have a lot of quibbles with just a lot of the way that these things are written because it just feels so written just for a, a movie. I mean, it's all like... Gosh, Philip, you might think Andy doesn't like this movie. <laughs> no, I don't know. Go on. I, I am a little bit of a stinker with this movie. It's okay. fun. I do enjoy it, but I am a stinker. But Coulson has this line, what do we do? And I can't help but that makes him sound very weak instead of something like, what should we do next? Like, I, like something active, but just saying, what do we do? It just feels very like, I gosh... Gosh, boss, I don't know what we should do now. It just, it, he sounds a little aw shucks in his inability to come up with anything. Um, but it also just feels like, again, written just because, well, we need to get to that title here. To play Ebert to your Siskel move there, uh, <laughs> I get what you're saying, but I think, and maybe this is what you're, you're grappling with too, is that the movie is very written and it's maybe a little overwritten and some parts are funnier than others. And that one feels like a clear setup to like cool shot of fury, hard cut to titles. Yeah. You know, like what do we do? The answer is get the freaking Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> you right, know, right. like that, that. So you set up a question that maybe, yeah, that character could have asked in a slightly different way, but this is what we're here for folks. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's somebody in Ghostbusters saying like, who are we going to call? You know, <laughs> do, do the song. Right. Well, and, and it, there is, I mean, I imagine there's a deleted scene where he says, Colson, you idiot, we call the event. <laughs> like, they cut that line. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're now a level five. <laughs> that was the response. Colson, you're down yeah. to five. <laughs> Hill, you're the Avengers, it's the Avengers Sorry. dummy. Hill, so you you're have a to level turn your, seven. Turn your phone yeah. in. Right. <laughs> I, it only would have been made worse if Colson said, what, who should we assemble? Who should we assemble? <laughs> Is there someone we could assemble? Oh, jeez. Uh, that's good. So, title card. That actually leads to my next thing. So, this movie, we see Marvel's The Avengers in the font that I'm sure you want to talk about, Pete. But so first, I just want to point out that when this film was released over in the UK, it was released as Avengers Assemble because of the TV show that had been so popular in England, uh, the, and the movie that was and, not so popular, and the terrible movie that was made right in '98. So, uh, hence, this was known as Avengers Assemble. Um, do you like that title, or is it fine just being the Avengers? I like the Avengers. Um, I like it as the title. I, I do. I have to go back to that thing. I, I, I love where like it's either lawyers or copyright law or something where they're like, if we call this the same thing, people will mistake this for that show with john steed and we're like not not in this this as a whole you know um uh i think i i think the avengers is better than avengers assemble it, you know it is it, it's or marvel's the avengers um it's a little cleaner yeah i get why you'd say Mar uh why you'd put assemble in there but yeah i vote i vote for the title as the american title as is i prefer the avengers okay 100 i i have yeah i've shown my hand avengers assemble just sounds like it sounds like a cartoon it yeah it, it sounds like exactly yeah right and it's dumb like it's <laughs> dumb we're trying to ground this thing in a, a in little. something that feels much more like like we're boots on the ground reality and it's already way too fantastical to call the thing a catchphrase is dumb it's dumb that's yeah. what they say. Avengers assemble, but they usually scream it and it's a cartoon. And so let's not do that. And it also kind of tracks with the the names, <laughs> the naming convention of these movies is K 
character name. You know, I was like, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America. And this is about the Avengers. You know, that's like, that, that is what we are watching. We are watching these guys, not what these guys are doing. <laughs> right. Well, we already talked about how when at the end of Captain America, the first Avenger, we have that little teaser for this film. And it has the little title cards flashing up um, about, uh, you know, assembling in 2012 or whatever. And it just it was a little uh, it was cheeky and we weren't big fans of it. So that, I, I would I, I, I totally get that. I think that's allowable for something like that because that's sure like the marketing tool. And yeah. And people who are going to be really excited about that are going to get excited about that word so yeah i get it there but yeah don't call it no don't call it that <laughs> i always get bent out of shape when we when we when the line uh when a line in the movie is the title of the movie that's a button for me and if at any point they say avengers assemble and that's the title of the movie i'm turning it off i hate but would it, it have bothered you if mad. this was called avengers assemble and he doesn't say it until end game <laughs> <laughs> Is it still a problem? <laughs> well, no. And then he says, Avengers, endgame. <laughs> that's a problem. Because right? somewhere, and I, now my memory's hurting me, but somewhere, either like in Age of Ultron or something else, Tony Stark says, we're in the endgame. Or some, like, he yeah. says that that's the yeah. endgame. Or uh, Doctor skinny, Strange does do so. Tony. They should all be like saying each other's titles <laughs> in different movies and and i was gonna say Pete, we're the in thing, the multiverse of madness <laughs> this is a real multiverse of madness um my you're a real iron man <laughs> yeah, uh, no, anytime anytime we hear the title of the movie my wife and i pretend to toast like we hear us like we're the guardians of the galaxy we're like Bing! and when we take a drink because like there it is there they it said is the thing. That's, that's maybe pete that would make it better for you just have a toast every time. Yeah, have a toast. It would. I think it would. It already would. I need to toast more to stupid things. Um, <laughs> the stupid thing. <laughs> the title card. It's very frustrating, the title card, because um, in subsequent films, uh, uh, Avengers films, there is a custom typeface. It's the Avengers typeface that has been reproduced in a number of different ways. And it has a little arrow on the A. And I think yes. in a number of the posters, there's the arrow on the A. Uh, but this title card is not using that typeface. This is using a variation on the bank gothic typeface, a rectilinear geometric sans serif typeface uh, designed by Morris Fuller Benton in released originally in 1930. The differences here, or the customizations here, they've taken the crossbar on the E and they have sliced it off at a reverse diagonal. And the uh, the hairline or the, the descender on the A is extended just on the left side. Um, but other than that, apart from the sort of grotesquerie of the 3D metallic texture that it's been it's been given, it is it is a variation of Bank Gothic. Um, it's nice because Bank Gothic is everywhere. You can get, you can find Bank Gothic. You, you spit, you're probably on Bank Gothic. So, are the slashes on the end of the G and the S? Are those also? Are they part of the font, or they were they added also, like the slash on the E? No, they were they were added. It's all the slashes. That's you're right. The the S slash, the, all the diagonals were taken uh, were sliced right off. Uh, gotcha. As part of the variation, I have to I have to say something very sincere here, which is that I'm I'm a 46 year old person and. I own typewriters in the year 2023 that I've actually used. I have stationary and other such Luddite things. And I feel very excited to be part 
of this conversation that talks so deeply about the fonts and I'm not making a joke about it, but it is kind of funny. That it was like, wow, this guy really knows. I would have, I would, I was sold just at like, it doesn't have the arrow, but then I was like, Oh my God, it's slashing this. And Holy crap. I'm like, oh, rectilinear. Yes. This, <laughs> these, for it. this, you yeah. might not be, we might not be exactly the same, but this is exactly the type of thinking. That I <laughs> this is really why you're on this minute. I'm you so were, glad I got the little shape to admit it. But <laughs> I, Andy says, Andy says you're going to do a movie by minute podcast. And the only minute I'm really into is the title card minute of all these movies. I just show up for the rest of it just to fill a hole. I, uh, no, I, I'm a big fan of fonts. And this was it, the, um, this was originally, um, it was actually re-released as a Bank Gothic Pro in 2010, and they updated it, and it became even more sort of popular for its uh, as as a title font. So it's it's kind of everywhere. It, it looks very distinctive in Marvel's The Avengers on this title card because of those slashes and the the 3D depth, but uh, and the very slight chamfer around the edges that they the treatment that they gave to it. But um, but it's a pretty standard font. It's kind of everywhere. So well, not to put you on the spot, if it, it since it's everywhere. Are there other movies that spring to mind where you're like, oh my God, it's this one and that one? Or, or should oh, I just notice really it next question. time? And don't say Avengers Age Voltron. <laughs> There's tons of movies. Uh, that is actually a really um, interesting question. I didn't know if one uh, sprung to mind, you know, where you're like, oh, I saw this. I saw this in the 1998 Avengers or whatever. You, you know, there <laughs> so is, wouldn't that be funny? That'd be amazing. There, there are a couple, but I don't, I think it's a generic enough. Uh, typeface that it, like it's like Helvetica. You know they made a whole documentary about oh, yeah, Helvetica. It. It's oh, I've everywhere. seen it everywhere. Oh yeah, I mean that's, I put it on to put me to sleep at night. Now I've just <laughs> just straight memorized it. I'm pretty. You'll see. But I'm pretty sure. Like um, God, what was the other? Uh, maybe Moon is Bank Gothic. Okay. Um, the uh, I I there are some other spacey things. Maybe the Martian or the Martian might have been just straight up like Futura. Mm. Um, some of them are very easy, easy typefaces to just lock into because they have like just the right angles, everything that is just at a perfect angle. Yeah. Um, you know, great for spacey. It's like a level two typeface. Things. Is what I'm just yeah. Saying. It's a level. <laughs> you can tell. You can, it's everywhere. It hangs, it hangs with with like Futura and Euro style <laughs> condensed, right? Like it's just a real party hound. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, it is funny. I did find on Reddit uh, a a thread. Crappy movie titles. Please stop using Bank Gothic in your movie posters. <laughs> and what other ti- did they list titles? Uh, I'm trying to find it. They don't actually list any titles. I think it was just a complaint thread where they're just talking about how how the they don't have an interesting way of using this uh, this font, and that they complain about the fact that they don't they don't appreciate the history of the origin of these fonts and how it really this font doesn't it doesn't tie into things that are sci-fi action or disaster movies it's it's funny too because because i'm i am an author and i've published books and it's the type of that is the type of thing that you never think about until you absolutely have to and then you're like oh my god yeah what do i think of this like how how does this look and there must have been a you know i would imagine a handful of meetings on like what font are we going to use and what are we going to do with it and all this stuff to really you know 
This is not well. I've I've got three for you right here that have that have come up, and the ones that are not complained about that often are the ones that actually do some sort of variation. Like Avengers, I'll complain about Avengers, but not as much because they do the they do some sort of customization of the font. Moon right. is just straight up. That's one. Star Trek Into Darkness. This is one that I should have thought of immediately because they use Bank Gothic as the the. Uh, subtitle text for the Klingons it, when they Let's land on the go. Klingon planet. So you see metallic bank gothic of all the Klingon <laughs> in English on the bottom, and it's so, it's garish. It's just like, it's screaming English translation to you. So that's a that's a, a rough one. And the, uh, the last one for the title card is X-Men Origins Wolverine. It uses two weights of bank gothic, uh, light and medium to actually do. X-Men Origins is in the, the medium sort of a Avengers font and okay. Wolverine is in the light hairline. So they're in the same font universe. They're in the same <laughs> cinematic font universe. Yes. Cinematic font universe. The CFU. Wow. That's good. <laughs> now, another addition to this is there's like this little sunrise kind of thing going up the line of the vertical line of the N as the font turns to us. Do you like the addition of the little light flare that we have there somebody wanted to make michael bay horny that's what happened here and well pete i know you're a big lens flare guy and it is very flary it's very flary i actually yeah. don't mind it i i like these kinds of treatments it's really you know it's <laughs> it's like it's a big it's a big hat that's what it is. it's the big hat of the fashion world it's just a big sun flare on it it's fine yeah, it's like a sunrise, uh, the rise of the Avengers kind yeah. of thing is what's happening here. It's yeah, it's fine to your point. I, I don't have any issues with it, and uh, but it's definitely something that I was noticing a number of times. And in my head, I keep going to the rocket that gets launched later in the film. I'm like, oh, this is the rocket taking off, <laughs> which makes no sense, but it, <laughs> right. it looks like it from afar. So, well, we cut from that to Russia. We are in a train yard. And we see a train passing by. We are, of course, actually in New Mexico, where this location was actually filmed. Uh, which you know, it's they were. It was. It, it's all about uh, the right place. This is. It's, it's uh, Albuquerque. It's the Santa Fe Rail Yard, and we get to see some Russian on some signs in the back. And I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole trying to try to figure out what all these signs said. So, if I may. Uh, just for a, a moment, have your attention as far as the the Russian billboards that we have and the signage. Um, <laughs> what some font of them are these are, billboards? <laughs> I was just going to well, ask. I'll I'm, tell you. Strange. <laughs> I, I I'm not sure. Like when you go into that Russian Cyrillic font or the the lettering, I don't know. Like um, I mean, I guess they do. You know, all these other fonts actually do write in those sure. letters as well. I'm assuming. The the main thing that we the there's several billboards that we see. The first one is kind of a white, kind of a, a faded white billboard that has multiple sides. That is kind of at the um, the upper part of the frame. That and it's covered partly by a pole, so it was hard to figure out exactly what that said. But from what I could tell, uh, it says something about wanted is what's on there. So I don't know. I don't on know the what the billboard? first word is. Yeah, uh, it says wanted. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, they're really after below, that guy. Uh, they're really after somebody, apparently. No picture, just <laughs> it's just maybe they're hiring. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe right. Maybe it's a it's a position. I can't plumbers tell wanted. He, plumbers wanted. So there is a yellow, like fluorescent thing that's kind of r straight in the middle in the back, and I 
feel like they mistyped it, but from what I can tell, it looks like they're supposed to. It's supposed to say airport. Um, it, if it's not, it's aerofot, which doesn't translate at all. But I think it's supposed to be airport. To the right of that, it's a very hard to see, but you can see a little sign in there, and then under it, uh, another set of signage, and that actually says. It's either factory or it might also translate to trading post. And then below that, it says Russian. And that was actually an easy one to uh, to pinpoint. Nice. But the one that I found most enjoyable is the one that's over on the far right that you only get a quick shot of before the train pops in. And it actually says car wash. <laughs> so apparently there is uh, <laughs> okay. a signage for a Russian car wash that happens to be nearby. And I have it. Hey. They have they have cars that need washing too over there. Yeah. All right. Well, other than the translations, I I don't have anything else with this minute. We kind of end this minute uh, as we get a you know nice little jib shot. See the train go by, and then we pull in through a wall, and we reveal the inside of an old rundown warehouse, and that is where this minute ends. So, any last uh, comments from either of you about anything over the course of this minute? I do like that shot of Fury. I I remember giving this shot, the last one, the one before the titles. And I mm, yeah. I remember kind of like, going back to the reason why I requested these minutes, I one of my big favorite things in movies is character introductions. Um, like, I am a sucker for Sergio Leone movies, because, man, does that guy do character introductions, right? And this movie kind of like doesn't have the greatest ones up and down, but like that ending shot of Nick Fury is kind of like that of just like it's it's not overly dramatic but it's a nice looking like angle of you're in charge but you're scared and things are looking dark you know like a, a not quite hero shot and so i just i appreciate that yeah that's a good shot well especially considering maria hill doesn't really get an introduction <laughs> period yeah, I mean, in the film there's a lot of characters but <laughs> but uh but yeah I, I appreciate those moments when they come up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I guess that is it for uh, for this minute. So we're going to wrap it up. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 13. Uh, but Philip, uh, tell everybody about these books that you're writing and what else you're up to. Oh, yeah, those books. Uh, yeah, I write uh, mystery novels, um, which are about a woman living in San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles who is a hairstylist by day, but she has secret psychic abilities. And normally she can use it to see inside someone's mind and see the style of hair they want. But occasionally she touches someone's mind and she sees a murder body. And so she ends up having to solve the crimes. Um, and you can find those. I've got uh, two novels out and a couple short stories. I can find them absolutely anywhere. Uh, just look me up. Philip Mottas. It's either P Mottas or M-O-T-T-A-Z, something in there. Psychic Barber, Philip Mottas. There's not a lot of Philip Monaz's writing psychic harper stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's me. And and what are, are the, they typeset in? What is <laughs> I get it. Those, I, I'm sorry, that's a level seven uh, <laughs> detail, but I cannot divulge. Cry, yeah, too too high for you, Pete. Too, too much for you. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, check those out. We will have a link to uh, to all of Philip's uh, sites and socials in our show notes. Uh, so we'll be back again to talk about Minute 13 tomorrow. So, Pete, thanks as always. Oh, tomorrow, Andy. I'm all tied up. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. 
Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.